One of the questions you have to be asking yourself as a communicator or anyone that's going to speak at that meeting is how is this meeting, how is this email, how is this video going to make them feel? Because feeling, emotion, is one of those things that will create a return that if we can increase 300 people's passion by 1% for a week, man, your business is going to thrive. Hey, y'all, this is Alex. Real quick, before we jump into today's content, I've got an update for you. It was about two years ago now that we launched this business called Path for Growth. And I'll never forget, we were a few weeks into the business and I was going for a walk in Franklin, Tennessee. And I got a call from a guy that had been a friend of mine for a while and just a leader I deeply respect. His name is Zach Way. And I'll never forget his passion and his energy and his excitement on that call. And he just said, Alex, I'm, I'm, I'm so in love with the mission that y'all have at Path for Growth of helping impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be. And I'm just so excited about what you're doing and the message that you're sending. And I think you need a podcast. And I, I want you to be available for people to listen to. I want you to be in people's ears. And I'm willing to make it happen. And I'm willing to do it for free. <laughs> uh, we kind of decided like, okay, free isn't good because you can't hold free accountable to anything. But man, I think we paid him about 150 bucks and it was about a week and a half in, we released the first episode of the Path for Growth podcast. And I'll tell you, at that time, I would have never guessed in a million years that we'd hit it week after week after week, all the way up to 100 episodes. But I get to tell you today that as of this episode, we are 100 episodes into the Path for Growth podcast. This is the centennial episode, folks. Just so absolutely awesome. And I'll tell you, you already know this. I'm the voice on this podcast, but man, there's a whole team of people that make this podcast and Path for Growth as a business happen. So, Man, Zach Way, your initiative with that initial phone call, but then also your passion and your creativity and your energy to make this happen in the early stages, it was just such a gift and, and such an inspiration to me and to our team. And now the person that makes this podcast happen every week is our marketing intern, Duke Davison. I think Duke is like 20 years old. He's also a college student. Man, Duke, your diligence, your enthusiasm, uh, but also your just consistent hunger and humility and desire to learn. It's just so cool. You're you're a leader through and through, and you're you're such an asset to our team and to this mission. So thank you for your absolute uh, purposefulness and the way that you make this content every single week because our whole audience benefits from it. And then to Kyle Cummings and his team at My Podcast Editor, y'all do such a good job at consistent consistently producing a quality product every single week and our audience benefits from that. And for that, we're just so grateful. And then to the Path for Growth team as a whole, Zach, Olivia, Kelly, Michelle, Katie, Danielle, y'all know this. I just think the world of y'all, y'all are making this thing happen. And it's such a gift that I get to represent our team on this podcast every single week. And man, I just so believe that our team is just getting started. And I so believe in the people that we have on board in this season. Now, since we've launched this podcast 100 episodes ago, we've heard from so many of you the stories of how you've taken the content that's been in these episodes and you've made things happen. In many ways, you've grown. And so we've heard it from people who have created businesses, grown as leaders. We've heard from people who have started new jobs, launched new projects, started voicing vision and expectations within their organizations. We've heard from people who have started leading using mission statements and values, people who have taken on new responsibilities 
People have made absolutely life-changing decisions. I've had conversations with people who have brought systems and processes to life in your organizations, people who have started eating healthier, people who have developed leaders, people around the country who have hired people more effectively, who have created and shared their own content on platforms like LinkedIn, or they've started their own podcast, people who have initiated conversations about healthy growth within their team and within their community, men and women who have led through seasons of struggle, who have started working out, who have served your community, who have created communication rhythms within their team, who have doubled down on their marriage, who have spent more time with their family, who have went on a real vacation for the first time like ever, who have pursued lasting and meaningful contentment as a process and not as a destination. I've talked to so many people who have grown in their faith. And let's be very clear, the podcast didn't do that work you did. And so for that, I want to thank you. Uh, Thank you for being an impact-driven leader who is committed to stepping into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. You are why this business exists. And here's what I want you to know on episode 100. We are just getting started. From the beginning, this wasn't just a business. This was a mission. And I'm of the firm belief that this is not a microwave mission. This is a crockpot mission. And the thing is starting to crank, but I just absolutely at the core of my being believe that we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what this movement is going to do for business leaders literally around the country. And so I just want to thank you personally, but also on behalf of our entire team. Thank you for trusting us with your time and with your energy Uh, really at the ground floor. It means so much to me that you would choose to be a part of what we're building. And I want to let you know that our whole team is so stoked for the future. Like we're just bouncing off the walls, pumped about it. But we're also just really, really excited and grateful and content with today. So cheers to 100 episodes and man, game on for the journey to 1,000 episodes because we are convinced that the best is yet to come. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Well, hey there. If we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, today's episode is going to be for a very specific audience. It's going to be for teams with 300 or more team members. Now, of course, as with all of the episodes that we record for this podcast, the principles and practices that we talk about in this episode apply to every stage of business. But I really designed this content for the leader and subsequent team of that 300-person business and, and that number is actually really, really intentional um, for a couple reasons. Number one is that so many of the one-on-one customers that I get to work with and so many of the members of the Path for Growth community and people that attend the Path for Growth in-person experiences that we've started to put on now multiple times a year are leaders who have just that. They have over 300 team members. Uh, and I've realized that 
in my time working in leadership development for several years now, there's some specific things that if those leaders and subsequent teams focus on them, then their team is able to scale with soul, that they're able to grow, that they're able to maintain health, that their culture is able to be vibrant and mature, and that it's able to become a place that the team members who are part of that team continue to love working and also be really productive. But then I've also seen organizations and leaders hit that 300 mark and it's almost like something happens. It's almost like they they just, they lose productivity and, and the health that made the organization so good and grow so fast in the beginning is just nowhere to be found. People are at each other's throats and although they used to be friends and although they used to love where they worked, it just it just doesn't look like that anymore. And, and I want so bad for the leaders of so many people to avoid that reality and chase the brighter future, which represents a team that is vibrant and healthy and maturing and moving forward and able to serve a product and service that is infinitely more valuable to more and more people. That's good. And I, I will also tell you, it's not only good, it's it's possible. And so the first thing we got to do is we got to believe that that's possible. And, and then we can start to take action on it because effort never sustainably exceeds belief. But then there's another reason why I really chose that 300 number as kind of worth focusing on today. It's Hiroshi Mikitani's rule of three and 10. Uh, yes, you would be correct if you say to yourself, I bet you he practiced pronouncing that name. Yes, Hiroshi Mikitani. Now, Hiroshi Mikitani, maybe you've heard of him before. He's the founder and CEO of Rakuten, which is the largest e-commerce retailer in Japan. Uh, at the time, whenever I was listening and studying him, they had over 12,000 team members. I think they have even more than that now. In some areas and regions, they've actually been described as a competitor of Amazon and Google. And, and so this is the CEO of, a, I mean, just an incredible enterprise. And he's built this thing from the ground up. And he describes what he calls the rule of three and 10. And he says that anytime your team hits a multiple of three or 10, everything breaks. I'm going to say it again. Anytime your team hits a multiple of three or 10, everything breaks and has to be remade. And so think about this. When you hit one team member, it's going to look different when you hit three team members. It's going to look different when you hit 10 team members. It's going to look different when you hit 30 team members. Then we move to 100. Then we move to 300. And then we skip all the way to 1,000. And what he's saying here is that when you hit those multiples of threes and tens, obviously it's not a perfect rule, but a lot of times whenever you hit those number of team members, the things that got you there won't get you through the next stage. The systems, the processes, the formats for accountability, the way that your team operates, the way that you deliver your service, you're going to have to break it and remake it. And if you don't do the breaking, it will break, it just won't be remade. And so what he advises is that leaders hit the front end of these breaking points. They attack them proactively and recognize that I'm going to have to disrupt my organization voluntarily. We're going to have to rethink the way we do things because what got us to this stage won't get us to the next one. And what's so cool is a lot of companies of all sizes have alluded to the fact that this rule holds true in their organizations. Leaders of businesses that span industry and stage of business have really alluded to the fact that this three and 10 rule, although not perfect, does seem to hold true. 
So it would be worth us paying attention to. But here's what I often see leaders with 300 or more people doing. They make mistakes. And and there's three specific mistakes that I've observed. Number one, they're still operating the same way they did at 100 people. And and they haven't changed much. And and their systems haven't evolved. And their culture hasn't evolved much. And, And if you could just copy and paste and just add in 200 more people, but they're still doing much of the same things. They're relying on what got them to where they were. And in doing so, they're not really preparing for where they're going. So number one, first mistake that leaders of teams of this size often make is they're still operating the same way that they did at 100 people. Here's the second one. They and their teams aren't aware that the change they are experiencing is normal. So when leaders hit this 300 point, it's like stuff just starts to break and their systems are no longer working and their technology that has worked so well up to this point just so no longer seems to provide the backbone that they needed and their their marketing isn't creating the the top of funnel that they need in order to provide volume to meet capacity and then they're not able to fulfill the capacity that they have to the degree of efficiency that they were able to before and they don't realize that what they're experiencing there is normal And so often, one of the greatest, most comforting things can be like when you realize growing pains are something that everyone goes through at this specific time, that doesn't fix anything, but it makes it way more relieving. We just say, okay, this is just part of the gig. And we realize that if I've got 300 people, this is part of the stress that everyone experiences at this stage. But what's cool about that is that we can then turn our eyes outward and to say, well, Other people have solved for this before. I'm not alone in this. I don't have to be ashamed about this. It's not like this is rethinking the wheel. Other people have experienced this and we can learn from the principles of other organizations and pull them into the context of our enterprise, of our business. So that's the second mistake. And then the third mistake, and then we'll review them, is they don't have what it takes to make a thousand. We already went through the multiples, but think about it. One, three, 10, 30, 100, 300 team members And then there's this massive jump to a thousand people. And if you don't intentionally invest time, money, and energy into creating the infrastructure that will get you to a thousand people, your organization will capsize. And that's obviously the opposite of what we want, right? We want you to have momentum going into a thousand people where you are practicing healthy growth and your organization is growing in both speed and size and breadth, but it's also growing in depth and impact and quality. And and so it's possible, it's just not guaranteed and it's never gonna happen accidentally. It's always gonna happen outrageously intentionally. So once again, if you're a leader or part of a team of 300 plus people, I want you to look out for these three mistakes. You can't operate the same way you did at 100 people. It's not going to work anymore. Uh, Number two, you got to be aware that the changes and the pain you're experiencing right now, that struggle, it's normal. And it's really important for you to understand that. And then number three, if you're not careful, you're not going to have what it takes to bridge this gap from 300 to 1,000 people. And there's a psychological principle that's really important to understand as it relates to this is that struggle is a reality of life. I think we could all agree with that. Struggle is a reality of life. But here's what the science proves, that your brain responds differently to struggle that is undertaken voluntarily compared to struggle that is obligated upon you. And the reason why it's so important to understand that principle in the context of what we're talking about today is that you have the choice to volunteer for the struggle that it's going to take to reinvent your organization. 
It's a choice. But if your organization is going to survive, you're going to have to endure that struggle. The question is whether you're going to engage with it voluntarily or if you're going to have it obligated upon you. And I'm just a big fan of leaders that play on offense instead of play on defense, that are proactive instead of reactive, that step boldly into what must be done and what they're responsible for doing instead of having it thrust upon them. And so that's the posture that I want all of us to operate as we walk through this content. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to walk through kind of four elements that I often see that the leaders who win at this stage of business uh, really are deliberate and intentional about and really focus on rethinking as they enter into this next stage, which represents the 300 team member mark to the thousand person mark. But oftentimes if we don't do that, what are the mistakes going to cause? Well, the mistakes are going to cause a leader burnout because I'll tell you, I've seen some pretty high caliber, high octane, high capacity, high energy leaders that can literally just by grit and force of personality and passion and soul, get their team to literally between three and 500 people. I mean, it is amazing. These are, <laughs> I, I just like constantly rack my brain understanding how these people do it. But it's like a CEO that like literally just their soul is the thing that's powering the organization but the organization is dependent on their willpower, their force of personality. And it's just, I mean, it's mind blowing that they're able to do that. Here's what I'll tell you though. They don't get past 500. And it's kind of sad. Like they either, they either grow past 500 and the quality just, I mean, completely falls off a shelf or the leader just burns out and they say, I'm not able to do this anymore. I can't. And Burnout can look like a lot of different things. It can look like really horrible decisions that end up sabotaging themselves and their organization. It can look like literally shutting down. It can look like health issues that pull them out of the business. But it's it's just not sustainable. It doesn't happen long term. And it's so sad because that's such a disservice to the organization that they're leading. And just so often, it's not because they don't want to do it a better way. They just don't know that there is a better way. And so... The mistakes cause leader burnout. Number two, causes internal division. Think about that word real quick. Division, division, die, vision. So we know that teams succeed when they have unity of vision. Now, within an organization of 300 people, you're going to have multiple departments. You're going to have people that work in their own separate areas. And what is really dangerous is that departments become silos, And silos start operating not in community. They operate in stubborn independence of each other, and they have multiple visions. And each of these visions within the organization are all chasing something different. And instead of experiencing the productive momentum of 300 people pulling in the same direction, we're experiencing the destructive nature of 300 people pulling in different directions. And what happens then? Gossip, backbiting, infighting grabbing for resources, politics, turf wars, right? I think Pat Lencioni actually wrote a book called Politics, Turf Wars, and Silos. That's a great description of what happens, right? Die vision, multiple visions within an organization. And if a leader doesn't start to think critically about how they're leading all 300 people in a unified direction, that is the natural outcome. That is what occurs naturally because what is natural? Natural is not unity. Natural is atrophy. We, we fall apart. And, and so it takes, again, outrageous intentionality. 
the, the third thing that these mistakes cause and us not being proactive with regard to stepping and engaging with the struggle that this 300 person milestone creates is disorganization things just start to fall apart and there's no standards and there's no uh, revitalizing the organization of a business. And and it, I just think of a very, very cluttered workspace. And I, I mean that metaphorically more than anything is that no one knows where anything is and everyone kind of has their own way of doing things and it's a little bit messy and it often takes 10 minutes to do a job that is actually one minute because it takes nine minutes to figure out where the thing actually is located and how to actually accomplish what you want to accomplish. And you may say, okay, well, 10 minutes, 10 minutes multiplied by 300 people, <laughs> no good, right? And and so you can see how this can just be a mess really, really quick. And, you know, you, you could just say that the mistakes create an organizational dumpster fire where it's just so confusing how to do the job that you want to do. And there's bureaucracy and there's red tape and it just becomes remarkably confusing how to get from here to there. And, it, and an organization slowly grinds to a halt. Uh, and then finally, the fourth one is directly related to that that previous one. It, it's waste. This is directly related to Lean Six Sigma, which we just talked with Ron Pereira about on this podcast. That was just such a wonderful conversation. I'm just so grateful for his perspective. And this is what Zach Estes, who's our COO, has taught me so much about because he comes from a manufacturing background. It's just that anything that does not relate to the creation or delivery of value within your business is waste. And the more people you have, the more opportunity for waste there is. And unless you're intentional about creating an organizational effort towards minimizing and, and exterminating waste within your enterprise, it's just going to pop up everywhere. And it's just going to be an absolute mess. And your overhead is going to just skyrocket. And you're going to be spending way more money running the business than actually doing the work of the business, which is actually delivering value to the customer. And the business doesn't exist to run the business. The business exists to serve the customer. But a lot of times, teams with 300 plus people spend more money running their business than they do serving the customer. That's no good. So again, there's these series of mistakes that we can make that prevent us from proactively engaging with these milestones related to the rule of three and 10. And those mistakes cause leader burnout internal division, disorganization, and waste. And so within this series, we're going to focus on four elements that the leader and team of 300 people should really focus on to make sure that they're proactively engaging with this next stage of business that they're walking into. Now, as I've already alluded to, you could be a business of any size and it will benefit and behoove you to focus on these four things. But I will tell you the return if you have over 300 people in your organization will just be massive. And I will tell you this is directly related to a lot of content I've been working on recently for our in-person experience that we're doing in Nashville. It's just related to the high return responsibilities of a leader. So what are the things that you as a leader can engage with that if you engage with it, it will provide an exponential return for 
you, but more importantly, the people you lead moving forward. And I would call everything that we're going to focus on over the course of this episode and the next part of this series, high return responsibilities of the leader that leads a team of over 300 people. And so I'm going to give you the four high level and then we'll break them down and we'll do the first two today. Number one is communication rhythms. Number two is leadership development. Number three is executive reinvention. Number four is culture of systemized improvement. I'll say them again, communication rhythms, leadership development, executive reinvention, and a culture of systemized improvement. And so the first one that I want to focus on is communication rhythms. And we know this, communication is the lifeblood of an organization. But we also know that when organizations start, because their business is scrappy, communication also looks very scrappy. And everyone's running around and everyone's going really, really fast. And a lot of times communication looks like maybe a stand-up meeting, maybe a weekly team meeting. And we're all just um, saying everything that we need to say and make sure that we're all kind of trying to stay on the same page. And it's very, very informal in nature. And a lot of times it just looks like a bunch of memos given to people whenever we pass them in the hallway. And Actually, I think that for a little while that can work. I don't think it's optimal by any means, but it can work. But man, there there just gets a point where that just breaks down completely and it becomes so wasteful. It also can actually be really harmful to people because a lot of times the, and you don't know what page an individual is on whenever you're talking to them about the business and they may be thinking about something different and the outcomes of that are just broken down relationships because we're not proactively setting expectations for what we're trying to accomplish in the given context, and it just becomes a mess. And so within that, as you grow, this obviously needs to happen before you hit 300 people, you've got to start introducing cadence, rhythm, structure, and formality within your communication. But here's what I've noticed is that the teams that I have worked with, worked for, observed, and coached that really excel in the realm of communication and therefore have the unified infrastructure necessary from a communication perspective to bridge this gap from 300 people to 1,000 people, they have seven rhythms in place. And so I'm not going to tell you each of these needs to be its own meeting. It could be in your organization. But what I really want you to focus on, if you are a leader of a team this size, is do you have meetings within your organization and do you have a flow of communication within your organization where all of these things are occurring and where all of these outcomes are being achieved? And so we're just going to walk through each of these seven communication rhythms. And I want you to think of this as a checklist. Like, are we achieving this outcome in our ongoing communication? And, and remember, that word rhythm is important because it's not just that it happens when we feel like it. It's not just that it happens when we happen to pass each other in the hallway or when we decide, oh, it would be good to do lunch for our employees, it's that we have a consistent cadence. It means that we do it because it's scheduled and we have a way and a flow of making sure that these outcomes don't happen haphazardly, but they happen very, very intentionally and deliberately. So let's walk through the seven communication rhythms. Number one is one-on-one relationship communication. Ideally, Every person in your 300 plus person organization has a weekly or bi-weekly 15 to 30 minute meeting with their direct leader where they just have the opportunity to voice what's on their mind. 
And for some of you, if you don't have this structure within your organization right now, you're like mind blown. You're like, how do I even begin to think about that? We don't have time for that. What I would tell you is just from my experience observing and working with uh, organizations of all sizes, and I've had a lot of conversations of people that work with businesses that are 20,000, 50,000, even 100,000 team members. What I will tell you is I would maybe even argue that you can't afford not to have this. Because I guarantee you, if you don't have these rhythms in your business, your retention rate is suffering. I have zero doubt about that because there's things without a shadow of a doubt that aren't being voiced that would be voiced if team members on your team just had a space to be able to voice it properly. And so one-on-one relationship communication. Now, what I will tell you is it doesn't look like you snapping your fingers and making that happen overnight for all 300 people in your organization. Not at all. Start small. Start with you and the people you lead and maybe use that as training for them to do it with the people that they lead and create a cascading effect where eventually we have this throughout the organization. But this doesn't have to be super complex. We just want to make sure that people have a place where they can be heard and where they can be treated not just as an employee, but as a person. And so Chris Hogan taught me three questions, right? It's how are you doing? What are you working on? How can I help? And there's actually some profundity within the simplicity of those three questions. How are you doing? And and you're going to have to cut through because they'll say, oh, I'm fine, I'm good. And, and then you'll have to say, no, how are you really doing? Give me more than that. And it's crazy how if you ask that two times, man, they will just start opening up sometimes. And that's really good, right? Wouldn't you want that? Don't you want them to feel open and safe to be able to have a dialogue with their leader? What are you working on? And that's really helpful because you can find out what their world looks like right now, what they're focused on right now. And then is there anything I can do to help? This is servant leadership in its most basic form. Are there any blockers getting in the way? Is there anything that's making more more difficult than it should be? Is there anything that I can do to, to pave the way for you? And that's what great leaders do is they pave the way for their people to be successful. And so one-on-one relationship communication is the first rhythm. Here's the second rhythm, one-on-one accountability. Now, I will tell you that this probably will occur in the same one-on-one meeting as the relational meeting. That's how we do it within our business. And I know a lot of teams that have 300 plus people that they bulk these two together is, hey, we're going to focus on how you're doing, but then we're also going to provide some accountability. And sometimes people freak out with the word accountability. Calm down, okay? What does accountability mean? It means to give account for something. So no, it's not always you coming down with a hammer and saying, you better have done your job. No, it means, hey, I want to hear what you been working on and how's it been going? And so I I will tell you, people thrive on accountability because number one, they want to know if what they're doing is right. And more than even if it's just right, if it's seen or not, if anyone's aware of what they're actually spending their 40 hours a week on, but then also accountability looks like you recognizing and clapping for and patting on the back when things go correctly. And that's accountability too. And so what does one-on-one accountability look like? Well, we've got podcast episodes on this and workshops on this, but it just looks like identifying the areas that matter most. That's the standards for the role, right? We call those success statements. And then just providing a quick evaluation of how are we doing in the areas that we said matter most in your role. We described what winning looks like in your role. Now let's look at, are we winning or are we not? And if we're not, what could we do to take the red to yellow and then the yellow to green? We use the red, yellow, green method for evaluation. But you can see how that will minimize waste because sometimes what we see is that organizations who don't have rhythms of one-on-one accountability communication within their organization, 
their people think they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then the leader finds out what they're, what they're actually spending their time on. They're like, that's not at all was I, what I need you to do or what I was expecting you to do. And there was no format for that communication to ever take place in a way that was healthy and consistent. One-on-one relationship communication, one-on-one accountability communication. Here's the next one, team unity. This can be really hard whenever you get to 300 people. But where I saw this most visibly was at Ramsey Solutions, which is the organization that I was part of before I started Path for Growth. I mean, there was a thousand people there whenever I left. And every single Monday, we had an hour-long team meeting. That's a pretty mind-blowing idea. Think about how much money that costs. Think about how much payroll is in that room. But I think the reason why they did that at that organization and the reason why I've seen it be effective in other organizations is because culture is a high return responsibility. And so if you can have an hour meeting, maybe it's once a week, maybe it's once a month, right? Or if you don't have one at all yet, maybe strive for once a quarter where you can get everyone on the same page with the shared values and behaviors of the team, that will have a massive return, an exponential return for the organization as a whole. But this is really, really important. This will be a waste of money if you spend it just giving updates that could be given via email. And so I want you to think about a principle here that John Maxwell just is famous for teaching. It's that people forget what you say. They remember how you made them feel. And so I will tell you that if you're going to have 300 people in the same room or even watching the same video or reading the same email at the same time, one of the questions you have to be asking yourself as a communicator or anyone that's going to speak at that meeting is how is this meeting, how is this email, how is this video going to make them feel? Because feeling, emotion, is one of those things that will create a return that if we can increase 300 people's passion by 1% for a week, man, your business is going to thrive. And, and so think about how powerful that is. Now, some of you, this may be a little bit out of your comfort zone, and I'm, I'm great with that, right? I'd love to push you out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to start being the inspirational leader. And that can be really hard to do sometimes, especially if it feels like imposter syndrome where you say, that's not me, I don't do that. False. It has not been you yet, maybe, or you have not done that yet. But just because you haven't done it yet doesn't mean you can't do it now. And I think for you to get to where you want to be, you're going to have to do things that are different. So maybe you got to be able to be an inspirational leader and start giving talks that actually give people emotional buy-in to the culture that you're trying to create. So we got to focus on the shared values and behaviors of the team. And you just got to hammer home. Here's why we exist. Here's what we stand for. Here's where we're going. But here's the other thing that I've seen the best leaders of 300 plus people do within these unifying meetings. They tell stories. Nothing connects with people like narrative. And so if you're going to be a leader of an organization this size, you've got to become a great storyteller. It's just essential. And you got to get over yourself where you say, oh, I just don't like talking about it or I, I don't like going in front of people and talking about the way we built this company or stuff like that. Stop it, right? Get over it and step up there and start telling the story of what you did. Now, it doesn't have to be some super polished speech or anything like that right off the bat. That's not what I'm talking about. But here's why this is so important. If you have 300 people, it's very within the realm of possibility that you've hired 25 new people in the past six months. Okay, 25 new people. Those are 25 new people who don't have any clue about the previous probably 19 years of the business that you've built. 
and they have no understanding of the resiliency that it took to create it, that there's no understanding of what the leaders invested to get it to where it was today. There's no understanding of the best practices that have been established. And what you end up with is a younger crowd of individuals that work for your team that everyone feels like are ungrateful and entitled. And in reality, they're not ungrateful and entitled. They just have no clue what this organization has been through because you haven't told them. (laughs) And so what would it look like for you to go out of your way to say like, hey, this organization has been through a lot and we want to make sure for you to get enmeshed in the values of what we're creating, you understand what we've been through so that you can make informed decisions about where we're going. And that's what results in team unity. So Within these team unity communication, you got to talk about your culture. You got to highlight areas where your culture is exemplified. And then you got to tell a lot of stories about the early days of the business. One more thing on this team unity aspect. You could think, okay, I've got to have a meeting with all 300 people in the same room. And I would tell you, I mean, there's nothing that beats in-person communication. You and I both know that. But Uh, maybe you can't do that. Maybe you're spread across a state. Maybe you're spread across the nation. Maybe everyone's working on different schedules. Maybe you've got contractors and part-timers and full-timers. And maybe there's a whole multitude of reasons why that would be really tough for you. Um, Think about what you can do. So maybe it's a video newsletter that you send out once a month. Maybe it's a really well-written email if your people will actually read it that you send out once a quarter. We have one of our customers. You could actually look up his podcast. Uh, His name is Herb Sargent and runs an excavating company. They just do such incredible work. I just love those people up in Maine so much. And their team is spread all across the state of Maine, right? And so what did they do? They created a podcast and they literally have a podcast where they sit down and record and they talk about the early days of the business. They talk about his grandfather who started the business. They talk about the values that make the business what it is. They highlight what team members are doing in different regions throughout the country. It's just amazing. And Herb and his leaders that are part of that podcast, they weren't podcasters before they started doing that. And they would even tell you, I don't think you'd have any problem with me saying that. They wouldn't call themselves podcasters now. But they needed something to unify the team around the cultures and values of what they were creating. And so they did it. And we'll put the link to their podcast uh, in the show notes of this episode. What's so cool is they've got people around the country that aren't part of their team who are listening to their podcast. You want to talk about a freaking recruiting tool. It's unbelievable. I mean, they're changing the landscape of what that industry looks like for Maine and beyond just because they got to work and started communicating what they were for instead of just talking about what they didn't want. Such an inspiration that I hope we all pay attention to. So team unity communication. Okay, so let's go through the first three again. One-on-one relationship communication, one-on-one accountability, team unity communication, and then departmental work group communication. So there's gonna be teams within your team, right, that need to focus on specific projects and just make sure everyone is on the same page, that the right hand knows what the left hand is doing and that we're all moving together. And, And so this meeting or meetings or form of communication can take a lot of different forms, but I mean, here's the most basic, what did we do? What are we doing? What are we going to do? And just having a leader that gets the team on the same page with what did we do in the past that we said we were going to do? What are we doing right now? And then what are we going to do, right? To just to make sure everyone's moving in the same place as it relates to the grander vision for the company as a whole. So we avoid division. 
And man, if you want a book recommendation on a system that works really well for this, one that I often find myself referring to is The Four Disciplines of Execution. Um, This book recommends a system, and I, I would tell you the system takes some work to apply to a department or to a team, but if you have a leader that gets really excited about this, it can be so good for measuring progress and getting the team bought in, so that might be a book worth checking out. Okay, let's move to number five. Number five is strategic planning. So, We've always taught at Path for Growth that two things need to be present for a team to be successful, a clear vision for where the business is going and a plan for consistently executing on the things that matter most over an extended period of time. And what does that plan for consistently executing on the things that matter most look like? Well, it looks like a strategic plan. And so there has to be a systemized cadence of communication for the leadership team to work on the business and not in the business. And so we need the collective wisdom of the people who represent larger groups of people in the business, those are the leaders, to be in a room together. And we do this as a quarterly one-day meeting where they say, what are the overarching priorities that will move us from where we are to where we want to be three to five years from now? And what specifically are we going to focus on over the course of the next 90 days? That's what strategic planning is, right? It's you choosing to get above things so that you could focus systemically on what are the things that will actually move this business forward instead of just the day-to-day actions that by nature keep us where we are strategic planning. And then associated with that is number six, strategic accountability. So a lot of people do great at the strategic planning part, but then they don't have any rhythm of communication for strategic accountability. And so they create a plan for consistently executing on the things that matter most. And then they never execute on the things that matter most. And they may do it for a week out of their strategic planning meeting, but when it comes to follow through and actually looking up 90 days from now and say, we said what winning looks like, we followed it every single week for three months, and now we're looking up and we've moved the business forward legitimately in these three to five areas that represent the highest return areas for the business. So many organizations just do not have that. And I will tell you that if you want to get past the 300 mark in a way that's sustainable and more important, healthy, it's going to require that. It's not even a question. And so what's your format for strategic accountability? Okay, then let's move to number seven. The seventh communication rhythm is development. And this really is best characterized by a question. Are you growing people or are you churning them? (laughs) That's a little bit black and white, but I honestly believe that that's the case. If people don't feel like they're growing, that they're being invested into, that they're moving forward, and I'm not even talking about moving up on an org chart necessarily, although that's helpful. If people don't really believe that there's a path forward for them in the organization where they see themselves year over year, month over month, quarter over quarter, getting better today than they were yesterday, eventually they're going to leave, right? They're going to get bored. They're, they're going to find a better opportunity. And so this is one of the things that has some teeth to it where people say, man, this place is invested in me. They're invested in my growth. They're invested in me moving forward. They're invested in seeing me progress both as an employee and a professional and a person. How cool is that? And so you got to have development opportunities within your organization. This can be a learning lunch. This can be maybe quarterly you bring in a speaker. That's one of the things I get to do is I work with a team called Five Stone Tax down in Austin, Texas, and they've got their Uh, not 300 people. They're like, I want to say 30 people now, although they're hiring a lot right now. 
And uh, once a quarter, I just go down there and we just recently did our team training on ownership mentality and we did one on healthy communication and we're doing one on leadership development here in just a bit. And it's so cool that that leader, JP, who's been on this podcast before, just believes in providing ongoing quarterly development opportunities for his team. And he said, we want to treat everyone like a leader here. So we want to pour into them as people and as professionals. And so we're going to do that once a quarter for a full day of business. And so that's development, right? But it doesn't have to be bringing me in. You could play a video. You could play a Path to Growth podcast. You could play another podcast if you want to, right? I've had our team listen to specific podcasts from Tim Ferriss or Craig Groeschel, and it's just so helpful for us to get on the same page on where we're growing and what we're working on. There's so many methods to do this. The the important thing is you just got to get started. Okay, so those are the seven communication rhythms. Remember, I'm not saying that every single one of these things needs to be a meeting. I'm just saying that each of these outcomes needs to be achieved for your organization to thrive at this 300 person mark. So let's review them one more time. One-on-one relationship communication, one-on-one accountability, team unity, departmental work group communication, strategic planning, strategic accountability, and ongoing development. And I love that we kind of finish with ongoing development because that sets us up for the next area that you really got to be proactive about and on your toes instead of on your heels if you're at this 300-person mark. And that is leadership development because when you reach this 300-person mark, and believe me, you may reach it earlier than this depending on the marketplace, depending on your team. There's a whole variety of variables and factors that contribute to this, but you're going to face a problem. And, And the problem is that the demand for leadership outpaces is the organization's supply of leadership. And if you face this, you're going to realize like, man, we need managers, we need leaders, we need people that can own things and drive things and create plans and then make sure those plans are executed moving forward. And it can't just be me and the executives we started with anymore. And so the temptation can be to hire from the outside. And that's not always a bad option. I think a lot of times outside hires can bring diverse opinions, outside perspective, really, really good information from other organizations in the marketplace into your organization. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. But here's what I will tell you is if you're bringing in radically more outside leaders than you are raising up leaders within the organization, you're going to look up and your organization isn't going to look like yours anymore. It's just going to become this amalgamation of what everyone brings with them. And so, you know, it's way less costly and oftentimes way more effective to develop leaders within your organization. And what's interesting is that the type of leader that you need at this 300 person mark potentially earlier is going to look different than what you absolutely needed before. Now, I will tell you that the type of leader you need at 300 people, it would be awesome if you had this type of leader whenever you were at 10 people, but it's necessary at 300 people. So when you started, all that you absolutely need is a leader that leads followers. That's all you need. I I would tell you, I mean, you know my perspective on this podcast. That's not ideal, right? That's not optimal. But if they're a leader that leads followers, that's okay. And and that might be you, right? When you started your organization, that might have been you. I'm a leader that leads followers, Okay, but then your organization scales, your organization grows, and maybe it's around the 100-person mark. What you start to really need is a leader that leads leaders that leads followers. 
Okay, so we know that, man, the, the real measure of effectiveness of your leadership is not can you develop followers, it's can you develop leaders. And so, but we also know not everyone follows that course of action. And certainly there might be variables that you didn't even know that that was what you were supposed to do, or maybe your ego prevented you from doing that. And, and so you look up and you say, okay, at this hundred person mark, I, I was leading followers and now I really need to be leading leaders. And you just have to break it, right? You just have to say, I, I gotta do something different. We gotta change this because this isn't working anymore. And maybe it's raising up people internally. Maybe it's bringing in people from the outside, but you say, I can't lead followers anymore because I can't do all this on my own. I've got to start trusting people to lead on their own. And I got to start giving them the tools to be able to do that. And that looks a lot like empowerment because it's at that point at 300 people that I see that businesses really face this necessity for the CEO to be a leader that leads leaders that leads leaders. Okay, so let's break this down. You could be a leader that leads followers. And that's obviously not scalable. There's no way you get to 300 people like that. So you could become a leader that leads leaders that leads followers. And here's what that looks like. It looks like you being a really trusting, growth-oriented, developed, highly competent, humble leader that has probably done this for a while. And the evidence that you've done this for a while and that you're very good at what you do is that the people who report to you are leaders. And what I mean by that is that they're passionate, they're independent thinkers, they're creative, they're willing to push back, they have the ability to build and execute plans on their own. They've honed the ability to coalesce people around certain things and drive of something forward. And that can be really good. But here's what I found is I found that a lot of times I'll interact with the CEO of this 300 person market. And, and here's what their reality looks like. It's like, they're this incredible leader because they built a company that's 300 people. That's amazing. Like it is so hard to do that. And I just have so much respect for these people. So, so they're the CEO of this company. They're an incredible leader. And then they've got a host of leaders reporting to them that are also really incredible in their own right. And their leadership team meetings are vibrant and there's a lot of good pushback. There's a lot of internal conflict. There's evidence um, over years that people can independently get results in their specific areas within the organization. There's a high evidence of ownership mentality within this leadership team. It's just incredible. You've got a team of executives and that's such a beautiful thing to be a part of. So many people can't get there. But then we go one level below those people and those people aren't leading leaders. Those people are leading followers. So we kind of reached this capping off point where although they're incredible at leading a team, the team that they're leading isn't leaders themselves. It's, it's a bunch of followers and you, that can get you to 300 people. I actually think that that can probably get you beyond 300 people, but not if you really want to practice healthy growth sustainably long-term. And so what do we need? Well, we need to become the type of CEO, we need to become the type of leader that leads leaders that lead leaders. And so what this looks like is changing the executive team's paradigm for what leadership is and how it most effectively takes place. And so often what you have to do is train people to understand that, hey, your ability to be successful on your area of ownership is not success. It's the team's ability to accomplish all the things that y'all are working to accomplish and achieve the desired outcomes independent of you that is success. And essentially, you've got to get them to start adopting your model and paradigm of leadership where it's like, I'm not winning unless the people below me are leading. 
And that's a mindset shift for people. I mean, that was a mindset shift for me. I had to undergo that. And so you just need to recognize everyone at their own stage of growth within your business has to go through that paradigm shift at some point. And that's going to take a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of investment and a lot of coaching. This is why I'm so grateful we get to work with not just the owners of organizations many times. We get to work with many of their top-level leaders. And a lot of times, many of the 300-person teams that we work with at Path for Growth, me or someone else on our team will work with the CEO or owner, and then another one-on-one coach will work with their executive team or something like that. And, and it's because they're not just trying to develop leaders that lead followers. They're trying to develop leaders that lead leaders, and that requires a massive amount of investment. And so what what does it require? It requires leadership time. Like you're going to have to pour into this person. It's going to require money. It's going to require desire of the person. And, And those things are a lot of times just the breaking point for most people because they haven't spent that much time, money, or willingness to develop leaders previously. And so they cap out at 300 people. And so just to recap this section, at 300 plus people, you've got to rethink your paradigm of leadership to say success for me as the owner of this organization is not just to lead leaders that lead followers. Success for me as the owner of this organization is to lead leaders that lead leaders. And that's going to require a lot from you. But I mean, honestly, what would you rather be doing, right? And that actually alludes to the next two points that we're going to go over next week, which is executive reinvention. So you disrupting yourself and challenging other people to do the same. And then finally, a culture of systemized improvement. Okay, so let's review real quick. We said that this episode was for a very specific audience. It's for teams of 300 people or more. And really, the reason why that is, is Hiroshi Mikitani's rule of three and 10, that at multiples of three and 10, everything breaks and has to be remade. And that you have an opportunity as an executive to engage with this struggle voluntarily instead of having it obligated upon you. And that will be better for everyone. But it's when we hit this 300-person mark that oftentimes leaders make three mistakes. Number one, they're still operating the same way they did at 100 people, which won't work anymore. Number two, they and their team aren't aware that the change they're experiencing is normal and therefore okay. It just has to be engaged with. And then number three, they don't have what it takes to go from 300 to 1,000, which is that next point. And and so we focused on two specific areas today. And then in the next episode in this series, we're going to focus on the final two. But we focused on communication rhythms and said that there's seven outcomes that you need to achieve. Relational communication, accountability, team unity, departmental work groups, strategic planning, strategic accountability, and development. And then we focused on leadership development, saying that you've got to be the type of leader that leads leaders that lead leaders. And that's going to be a paradigm shift for you and the people in your organization. Y'all, I hope this is helpful for you. Listen to me. If you are a person that leads a 300-person team, number one, I just, I mean, I haven't done that yet. I've worked with these groups. I've coached leaders of these groups. I've observed these groups for years and years and years and years, but I haven't done that yet. Our organization is not 300 people yet. So I just want you to know, man, y'all are heroes to me. Truly, I just think the world of y'all, I think you're so cool. You're what I aspire to be one day in so many ways. I aspire to do it in a way that's healthy, but I, I because of so many of you, I, I've seen that that's possible and that's so cool. So, 
just know that I think the world of you and this podcast episode really is for you. And I would encourage you, um, if it does resonate with you, share it with your team, right? Because one of the things that we're going to talk about next time is you want to create a culture where all of these things are happening, not because you're making them happen, but because the organization is making it happen. And it's not a me thing. It's a we thing. So please share this podcast with your team, get them on board with the concepts that we're talking about. And hey, one more thing, if you value this content and want to receive more of it in written form, we send out an email every Wednesday. Uh, we call it worth it Wednesday because I think most email isn't worth it. I kind of hate email. So we said, if we are going to send an email, it better be worth it, worth your time and worth your energy. So every Wednesday, we send about a three minute email. It's a principle worth learning, a question worth answering and a recommendation worth taking. If you want to sign up, you can do so in the show notes of this episode or at pathforgrowth.com. Y'all, we're so grateful for you. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.